Okay, so let's dive into the Silverman thing again. Why? Because I'm a masochist. Uh, actually, it's because my friends uh, Seamus and John from the Free Thought Prophet podcast have been taking some flack for having Silverman as a guest on their show. And it's funny, despite how much I've covered the Silverman situation, I've neglected to mention earlier that he actually appeared on the Free Thought Prophet. He also appeared on The Drunken Peasants, which seemed kind of surreal for some reason. Even more surreal was Dawkins' recent appearance on Joe Rogan. I'm a fan of both uh, Dawkins and Rogan, so it was like some weird comic book crossover. But what prompted me specifically to cover this whole Silverman thing again was a recent appearance John and Seamus made on the Right to Reason podcast. They debated someone named Felicia Entwistle, I believe her name is, uh, also known as Utah Outcast, I think, on whether or not it was right to platform David Silverman in light of the sexual assault allegations against him. And things got really heated. So heated it was almost awkward or uncomfortable to listen to. Uh, I was kind of vicariously squirming, you know. Uh, but Seamus was interested in hearing what I thought about the whole thing. And I had yet to choose a topic for the next episode, this episode. So I figured, what the hell, let's do a response. And to put things into some context, I've been friends with John and Seamus for a while now, and Seamus and I in particular stay in contact regularly. We first met when the guys asked me to come on their show, wow, maybe a, a couple of years ago or so. They also came on this show, and they had me uh, back on maybe last holiday season to talk about Krampus, which is uh, always fun. But maybe I'll start by playing a montage from the opening of that Right to Reason episode so we can kind of get a taste of the tone of what went down. And for some reason, Nothing Else Matters is playing in the background. I'm more of a thing that should not be, old school Metallica kind of guy. Nothing Else Matters, a little too mushy for me. But anyway, uh, here it is. And I already assume that the video version of this will get demonetized on YouTube, as most of my episodes do. Sometimes you can, uh, well, usually you can request a manual review, but by the time that goes through, even if you're approved for monetization, most of the people that are going to watch the video have already watched it. It's kind of like a sick joke. But... Um, I'm sure uh, copyrighted music in the background. I actually think it's a cover of uh, Nothing Else Matters, but still, I'm sure it won't help. And I know it's really annoying when I do this, but yet another thing before we start the clip. I forget that right before that montage starts, it opens with a, a clip that David Silverman... Uh, actually, Cult of Dusty played this on his show, too. But David Silverman, I guess, secretly recorded a conversation he had with Matt Dillahunty. And the purpose was to try to prove that Matt Dillahunty knew what went down between David Silverman and Matt's wife was consensual. And uh, the reasoning or the thinking on Silverman's part is if Silverman had actually sexually assaulted Beth Presswood, Matt Dillahunty's wife. Would Dillahunty really be so calm and forgiving about the whole thing? You know, most people you would think, if you found out someone sexually assaulted, someone you love or care about, uh, you know, a family member, a friend, a spouse, that you would not be 
so calm and forgiving. You'd want to rip their head off, or at least you would tell them you wanted absolutely nothing to do with them and that you didn't want to be in the same room as them. But to the contrary, Dillahunty pretty much says to Silverman, hey, you and I are uh, basically okay. And there's a lot of people or certain people I would not be willing to, to share a stage with. You're not one of them. And he, he encourages um, Silverman to continue his good work with American atheists and fighting the good fight and all that. He talked to me like you would talk to somebody who had fucked your wife without your permission. Okay. Not like some. Here, let me play this for you. Let me sure. this for you. Okay, this will just take a minute for me to find. No I want you to just think while I'm looking at it, while I'm finding this, I want you to think of, um, I mean, are either of you two married? I am. Um, John is currently. I'm, okay, John. I'm happily divorced. Okay, John. So uh, just imagine I sexually assaulted your wife. Okay. Okay. And um, I, I, I grabbed her and I gave her black and blue marks and... And she didn't like it, and it was it was really non-consensual. Imagine how it would be two years after that. I get you in a room, and I say, hey, uh, John, how are you and me? Uh-huh. Okay? Imagine how you would react. Yeah. Okay? Just listen to this. So to, to, after that lengthy discussion, um, how are we? We're pretty okay on the things that I actually care about and okay. want to talk about. We're fine. Okay. If you ever want to talk about things, other things. Nope. Okay. Past is done. Okay. I'm, I got more shit to do and more important stuff to do. And there are people that I wouldn't share a stage with for various reasons. You aren't one of them. Okay. Keep working for the best for American atheists and the movement. And I'm sure we'll fight on some shit from time to time. Sure. Then. I'm far happier to fight with people uh, who I know are trying to do the right thing for the movement than for, you know, Dan. That's not how you talk to somebody who molested your wife. That's true. That, uh, yeah, that wouldn't That's be the conversation we would be having in that circumstance. They couldn't go to the police. There's no way they could have gone to the police with that stuff. Why not? Um, because it's really difficult to prove rape. We are not interested in BDSM. If we were, we would have, we would have, we would have. This is about rape. How many times do I have to say it? He used BDSM and he raped her according to this woman. So you said. But you are uninterested and you do not care about this issue. So you say, are you done? Can I talk now? Do I need a safe word to talk? Wow, BDS. That was really insensitive. I'm sure it was. Lying about this on a large scale problem, but there is a large scale problem of and men raping women and getting away with it, and you don't account for that. You are being a bad skeptic. I should be allowed to say who I want to fucking talk to and you not are have allowed to answer. To. Thank no, you. you are. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm allowed sorry. to say who you don't want to answer for the things you do, you don't want consequences. I said I will talk to who I want to, no matter what anybody thinks. That's yeah, not the same yeah. thing. You, you are allowed to do that, but Thank I'm you. allowed to say, fuck you. 
you can have whoever you want on your show and the consequences be damned because you're not going to have to live with them and the hurt and the pain that you perpetuate and the way that you delegitimize sexual assault accusations doesn't matter to you and you so, don't care. Can I ask That's another question? Can I, I'm, done. Sorry. I'm done. Felicia, I'm done. Felicia, I am can done. I ask one more question, please? No, I so, wow, pretty uh, heavy or intense, right? And there's even, a, I think there's a part where uh, she completely just breaks down and begin and begins sobbing. And, you know, it's really, it's difficult to listen to. And I have to say that, like, my gut reaction, and I was trying to be as objective as possible when I was listening to it, and, you know, I'm a pretty laid back guy, so I find it uncomfortable to listen to people arguing anyway, is uh, I was a little off put by how upset and angry she was. And I was hoping that wasn't just because I have a pre-existing, you know, re relationship or friendship with the guys from the Free Thought Prophet. And, and, you know, I hope that I was still able to be objective to some degree. And that I wasn't starting off with some unfair bias against her just because I don't know her. And I know the people on the other side of the argument. And so while prepping for this episode, I went back and I listened to Seamus and John's original interview with Silverman a couple more times. And I listened to this Right to Reason episode a couple more times just so I could really drink it all in and become as acquainted as possible with the, the material and formulate an opinion. And uh, upon subsequent listenings, I found that, you know, I was able to get over my initial response to Felicia's kind of uh, visceral combative attitude. And my opinion of her, uh, you know, softened a bit where, I mean, it should go without saying, I think her heart is in the right place in the sense that I think all of us should really care about sexual assault and try to, obviously, you know, if we're decent human beings, condemn it, speak out against it, uh, try to do what we can to help prevent it. And, you know, and um, I should say, too, that I don't want to go out of my way to completely, you know, vilify her. And that I think, you know, I'm friends with, with Seamus and I think he was getting angry too because, you know, maybe he was feeling kind of indignant or feeling like he was being attacked. So he was really pushing back. And as you could hear, the whole thing kind of turned into an uncomfortable uh, shouting match. And I think as much as we should all condemn sexual assault and try to make sure, you know, like we're not perpetuating some gross anachronistic mindset that, you know, when a woman comes forward with sexual assault allegations that she must be hysterical or that she should just be dismissed, you know what I mean? Um, we should always take allegations seriously and treat victims or, you know, people who may be victims with compassion and humanity and try to make sure that their allegations are investigated and that if we can discern, you know, that they were in fact violated, that they get justice. You know what I mean? But I think you have to take it on a case by case basis and look at the specific allegations and 
not automatically assume that just because someone was accused that that means they're automatically guilty and write them off as a pariah and not hear their side of the story or whatever. And I think to some degree, during the course of that appearance on the Right to Reason podcast, I think Felicia kind of, and hopefully she doesn't mind me using her name, um, she was a guest on the show, you know, using her her name. So uh, I, I'm not trying to, not trying to dox or... Um, wrongly put someone's name out there. And I, I don't think anyone should go after her or anything like that. As you can tell, I'm trying to handle this thing with kid gloves and as be as fair as possible to all parties here. Um, and I'm trying to you know use her name respectfully and speak of her respectfully. So hopefully she doesn't mind me using her name. But I think she, the feeling I got is that she kind of contradicted herself a bit because they get into a conversation about what percentage of allegations are false. And I think the percentage varies, but it's usually stated, I think, as something like in between 2 to 8 or 2 to 10 percent of allegations where charges are actually filed, you know, with uh, the police. Only that, 2 to 8 or 2 to the 10 percent are actually proven to be false, where no actual crime or assault took place. And you can go and listen to that interview or that debate on the Right to Reason podcast yourself. But the feeling I got is, and I thought she was being a little glib um, or presumptuous, but she was basically saying that that percentage is so small that's basically safe to assume that, you know, any allegations that are brought forward against someone, they're most likely true. And, and so that's uh, enough reason not to have someone who's accused, you know, on your show or whatever. And when Seamus and John originally interviewed Silverman, they also got into a conversation about that percentage. And I think John rightly says that, you know, theoretically, let's say it's only 1% of accusations that are false, that... That's still enough where you shouldn't just automatically chuck the accused uh, under the bus or assume that they're guilty. Uh, People are due due process. Um, And sure, you can say that there's a difference between a court of law and the court of public opinion. But I think if you want to be a fair, open-minded person, that even in the court of public opinion, you should try to look at each individual case and look at the merits or lack thereof of the allegations, etc. And so that seemed later on, like she backpedals a little because John and or Seamus will say something like, um, you know, it's it's wrong to assume just because someone's accused that they're guilty. And, and she'll say, did I say that? Did I make that point or whatever? So later on in the interview, she seems to be kind of implicitly agreeing that you shouldn't just assume someone's guilty because they were accused. And something occurred to me while I was listening to all this, and it was that percentage that, you know, to the six, to the eight, to the 10, whatever the exact percentage is of uh, allegations that turn out to be false, that those supposedly apply to cases where... um, 
an alleged assault has actually been reported to the police or, you know, uh, charges filed or whatever. Uh, I wonder what the percentage is regarding cases that haven't been reported. If it, if the uh, amount of false allegations is more, if it's similar, I, I honestly have no idea. But I think it's um, it's a valid question to uh, to ask. And in fairness to Felicia, and um, I think it it, it really is uh, um, disturbing, but. A good deal, or I believe if not most, sexual assaults don't get reported, either because the victim feels ashamed or doesn't know how to process everything and, and um, is afraid that, you know, they don't want to go through the trauma of a court case or talking to the police, um, or they're afraid that they might go through, you know, all that and, and still not see justice. Or maybe they fear retribution from their assailant. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a really valid point she makes that uh, unfortunately, disturbingly, a lot of sexual assaults don't go uh, reported. Um, so we shouldn't just cavalierly wave off sexual assault allegations because they weren't you know, officially reported to the police or whatever. Um but once again, I think we should take it on a case-by-case -case basis. And I honestly don't know what the exact truth is uh, regarding what really went down between Silverman and these women. And at some point in that interview, Felicia brings up the idea of credible allegations and that she believes the allegations against Silverman are credible enough to assume that he's guilty, that he's, um, you know, a sexual assaulter or whatever, or a rapist. Um, but to me, the Silverman case is one where I actually think there's credible doubt. Like, there's someone else, like uh, Harvey Weinstein or something. You know, I'm, that guy, there's so many accusations against him with so many similarities. I mean, I think it's safe to assume the guy's a monster, you know? With David Silverman, I mean, you guys heard that clip where Silverman is talking to um, Beth's husband, Matt Dillahunty, and Matt Dillahunty, in fairness to Silverman, does seem to be reacting more like a guy who's in an open marriage and whose wife slept with someone he didn't particularly want them with but who thinks that it, it wasn't assault. I know that's a lot to read into it, but I think that was a fair point made by Silverman, that if Dillahunty really thought that Silverman had raped or sexually assaulted his wife, that he wouldn't, have be, he wouldn't be taking that that kind of forgiving attitude with Silverman. That being said, I don't want to seem like a chauvinist or a misogynist. We should remember that it's Beth Presswood's body, not Matt Dillahunty's, and... Just because he might not think that his wife was assaulted, uh, and we can kind of glean that maybe he thinks the encounter was consensual based on that hidden recording, you know, that's not the final word in law. It's, it's her body at the end of the day. But I think it is somewhat revealing that Matt Dillahunty takes, seems to take that attitude, that for seemingly forgiving attitude towards Silverman. Now, on the other hand, there are things that I do still find concerning regarding this whole Silverman thing, some of the allegations or whatever. 
And Dusty Smith, and I talked about this in the past, had a conversation with someone who was supposedly Richard Carrier, another high-profile figure in the kind of atheist-slash-skeptic community. And uh, skeptic community has kind of a, a tainted connotation nowadays, uh, at least as far as YouTube is concerned. So I'm not saying Carrier is a part of uh, that. But supposedly Carrier admits to also sleeping with Matt Dillahunty's wife. If you're not familiar with the case, supposedly Matt Dillahunty and his wife were in an open relationship. They were kind of swingers. And Matt, uh, Richard Carrier suggests that he also slept with, uh, with Beth Presswood, um, was saying how she was kind of a, a freak down for anything. But he also says that he had talked himself with David Silverman. This is what's implied from the DMs. And that supposedly he claims that Silverman had bragged about supposedly ignoring safe words. Now, I find that deeply disturbing and concerning. And if Silverman did, in fact, ignore safe words, or he was supposedly bragging about that to Carrier, and, and that's true, that's vile, you know, that's, that's a total game changer. So once again, I do not know what the exact truth is. But I think there's enough, what I would call, I guess, credible doubt that, and, you know, I, some people probably find this to be a kind of insensitive phrase or term, but I think at this point, it really does seem like a he said, she said. I think there's enough credible doubt that I don't think it's immoral or unethical to have David Silverman on your show. Um, and in the interest of intellectual honesty, I should mention that, yeah, as some of you probably know, that, that there's at least one other allegation against Silverman. Um, someone, you know, a woman came forward to say that Silverman, she had sex with Silverman in return for the promise of a job. And it gets really kind of graphic. But since he didn't have a condom, he uh, asked the girl if it was all right to engage in anal sex. So he her story is they engaged in anal sex um, with the promise of a job with American atheists. Uh, Silverman's story is that he made it clear up front that he couldn't promise her a job and there wouldn't be a job and that the sex was consensual. Um, I have no idea. And I think Felicia says that there's a third accuser or something like that. And I have no idea about that one. Uh, so, I mean, it's some really lurid stuff that went down, at least. And as I said before, you know, at the very least, um, Silverman des probably deserved to lose his position for abusing, you know, uh, a position of power or authority that he had at these atheist conferences or whatnot as a representative of American atheists. But uh, American atheists, but um, I don't know what the truth is with the Beth Presswood case or the case with this other woman and whether or not there really was a job or whatever promise, some kind of quid pro quo. Uh, I, I just I I just don't know. But with that being said, you know, I'm in a I'm in a rush here. As I mentioned, uh, I have a Halloween party to attend. Um Wow, and it's in uh, it's in a little over an hour, so I, I really got to go. So, thanks for listening, as always, guys. And until next time.